Watch the breakdown. Welcome, guys. A uh, little change, a little ripple in yeah. the recording process. We're coming to you on Thursday, yep. October 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, a crazy week last week oh, and an yeah. even bigger week this week yeah. um, is making college football so much more exciting. I agree. Um, <laughs> every single week. And now we're at, we are officially past the halfway stretch. Yes, we have. And now games are more important than ever, um, um, which is yet again why I love the four-team uh, playoff. Because now every game, you have to be perfect. You do. You do. If you do not have perfection, you are not in. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get into some in, some interesting news mm-hmm. um, that sort of broke. And, th- and that's why I'm glad we're doing this show on a Thursday is because when we do it on a recap week where on maybe a Sunday or a Monday, the, a lot of events happen. They transpire after a recording. Um but we were able to see a couple interesting uh, newsworthy headlines. The biggest one is Kelly Bryant finally giving us an idea of his recruiting. I guess now it's a re-recruiting process yeah. for Kelly Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Bryant will take an unofficial visit, not to the University of Florida, mm-hmm. not to even the University of North Carolina State. He is going to Chapel <laughs> Hill. He will be visiting, having an unofficial visit uh, with UNC this weekend. Um, this is sort of a out of the out of left field type of approach. So Atlanta, is UNC going to be a a legitimate landing spot for Kelly Bryant? Um, I'm not sure if UNC will be a legitimate landing spot for Kelly Bryant. I think the ACC in general will be a landing spot mm-hmm. for Kelly Bryant. Like you said about NC State, um, I feel like that could be a very much a good option for him. Mm-hmm. UNC, I can see it. Um, but I just feel like he will be at some school in the ACC once this process is over. Yeah, I agree. I think that he will stay in the ACC because of everything that he said about Clemson, mm-hmm. everything that was said about he him. He wants revenge, if you will. We but. are definitely looking at a revenge yeah. at a revenge matchup, which will make enormous headlines oh, come next yeah. season. Um, but I think that North Carolina is a great landing spot for him. Mm-hmm. Um, their starting quarterback actually is out. Mm-hmm. He's having surgery on his labrum, I believe. And so this honestly opens the door for Kelly. Yeah. And I think this is almost why mm-hmm. he's going here first. Uh, according to a article written that actually mm-hmm. first reported this story, a North Carolina um, article associated with 24-7 Sports, they said that UNC's been in constant contact with Kelly ever since his um, decision to transfer from the program. And I think that, honestly, North Carolina, this is like how Joe Burrow is to LSU. Mm-hmm. He's that one piece of the puzzle that UNC just needs. right? We saw when UNC had a good quarterback, they yeah. became a relevant program. They were a top 15, top 10 type of program. Their offense was very explosive, and the defense um, matched that. And so I think with Kelly deciding to come to Chapel Hill this weekend, I think that that raises a lot of eyebrows, mm-hmm. um, but definitely, it definitely makes raised mine. What Spencer yes. told me, he's like, Absolutely. "Did you hear?" I'm like, "No, I didn't hear." Yeah. And so it's just, I mean, I can see it now. Is it the landing spot? I'm not sure, but yeah. it is a great one. I do agree with yeah. you. Yeah. This is a 
This is going to be an interesting topic mm-hmm. of discussion as not only this season goes on, but yes. the off season goes on. Mm-hmm. So be looking out um, for the Kelly Bryant story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and never ending cycle of news. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to move into a different topic as well. This one's not very, uh, this one didn't break the news cycle, so to speak, but it definitely uh, makes headlines for me at least. Kansas fired their offensive coordinator, Doug Meacham, a couple days ago. And head coach David Beatty said that, quote, none of us are satisfied with the progress we are making on the offensive side of the ball. Lana, as well as the firing of Mike Stoops at Oregon, or as Oklahoma, my goodness, <laughs> at Oklahoma, um, do, you, do you think that firing a, a coordinator, especially midway through the season, is a smart option, or do you wait until the end of the year, make that fire, and then go out and get a big name? Um, I don't like the idea of firing on the spot like that. I get that you're dis- you're not satisfied with the way the program is going right now, but honestly, I feel like that can do you more harm than good because what coach is going to want to come and coach for you if you're going <laughs> to fire someone like that on the spot mm-hmm. in the middle of the season? And Kansas, I'm sorry, but they're just not good. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think they can go out and get a big name. Yeah. So um, – I don't. I don't like that. I think this puts Kansas definitely in a in a really tough spot, um, fi- finding a a good offensive coordinator because yeah. now they have to um, get an interim coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, do whatever they got to do. But mm-hmm. now you leave mm-hmm. you leave yourself susceptible mm-hmm. and you leave yourself vulnerable yeah. to a to a situation yeah. where mm-hmm. well, all right, they've got an interim coach, so maybe they're going to keep it in house. Yeah, and it's like you got to look at all the logistics too like with the contracts and like is their contract up and blah 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 all these different things and just fire them on the spot like that it's just not smart and for either either one in that scenario yeah um, i think for mike stoops it was definitely uh definitely out of the blue but i guess was sort of coming yeah um from what i've heard and mm-hmm. from from the conversations i've read i feel like with kansas and oklahoma it's two different types of scenarios mm-hmm. in my opinion um with oklahoma and mike stoops i feel like this is i don't know i feel like it's a better decision even though it's kind of the same scenario i don't feel like it is cuz i feel like this was a time long time coming for them but for kansas there are two different programs, and it's just, I don't know. I don't see this going up for Kansas. No, yeah, and I think from from Oklahoma, from the Oklahoma standpoint, um, like I said, the, the conversations I've been listening to and, and hearing from their, from their corner, uh, it seems like that they had already mm-hmm. um, issues or disgruntlement about yeah. the, the defense, yeah. even last season. And I think that that was something where maybe they were like, well, you know, it's still stoops. Mm-hmm. So let's give him another year. Mm-hmm. Let's see if he can fix that. Yeah. But after, like, I think it's, I think it's, I understand the firing of Mike Stoops. At that point, yeah. like, your defense has not improved at all from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think he should have been fired after that, um, after the Rose Bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree. It just looked, it, the defense just didn't look the same in the second half. And I think... The problem with firing a coordinator or a head coach in the middle of the season is that they're already invested in that in that yeah. camp in that corner. So you like ruin that. you almost ruin the dynamic, the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Now it's not necessarily hurt because they have play they have people in places where they can 
um, move people up and yeah. and promote from the inside. But um, I think for the case of Kansas, uh, you needed a switch. I think that this was the perfect. I think this was a perfect scenario for Kansas, mm-hmm. not for Oklahoma, mm-hmm. because you could have done this in the off season mm-hmm. with Kansas. It's a thing of okay. Well, I, I totally agree with the offensive with the head coach's comments. I wouldn't if I was mm-hmm. if I was their head coach, I would not be satisfied at all. Mm-hmm. Now the first two games they looked very good, and yeah. I think that that's what kept this guy, mm-hmm. uh, what kept Meacham um, in his position is that he, he they did so mm-hmm. well early on. But now I think that um, the writing was on the wall, and it was a perfect situation for Kansas decide to move on, see if anyone inside the program can revitalize yeah. uh, the offense. And I definitely feel like it is a better scenario than the Oklahoma one. However, I do agree with the firing, but I'm just not about the firing in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. Yep. You know, it, it's a lot more personal than that, you know. And so mm, – it's, it's a tough scenario. It's like they like to say. <laughs> business is never personal. So mm-hmm. moving out of that, that was our highlights of the week mm-hmm. um, so far. Now we move into, we're going to mm-hmm. do a, a recap yeah. and an outlook show mm-hmm. in the same yes. uh, episode. So we're going to look back and mm-hmm. we're going to trail, we're going to time travel all the way back to last Saturday. <laughs> yes. Uh, the biggest mm-hmm. games that happened. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, there were a yes. insane amount of uh, upsets. It was insane, and this is how we're going to do this. I'm going to talk more about the recaps, and then Spencer is going to talk more about the upcoming games, and we're kind of just going to go back and forth um, because we're trying to get both in <laughs> to this one um, episode, so y'all just bear with us. But we're going to start with Texas and Oklahoma, which is probably the biggest upset of the weekend. Um uh, considering it was in, it was primetime TV, you just didn't expect it, especially if you watch College to Game Day. Like, everybody was picking Oklahoma. Nobody picked Texas, I don't think. Um, and so, but Texas came out um, with a 48-45 uh, shootout, um, which, I mean, it's Big 12, so what do you expect? Um, but my MVP for this game was Sam Ellinger. He had 24 – he completed 24 out of 35 of his passing um, for 314 yards. That's pretty good. He also ran the ball 19 times for 72 yards. Um, the key drive for him was the third and third conversion on the final drive, which is this made it the highest scoring game in the series, and it's 113 games. That's a lot of games that these two have played against each other. And so um, because Samuel Ellinger – is it Ellinger? Ellinger. Ellinger, yeah. It's difficult to say, but um, this drive um, – well, this conversion on this drive um, – was just highlight for me, and so that gave me um, Salinger for the MVP. But um, for Texas, um, this is their first five-game winning streak since 2013. Um, so now they are second in Big 12 behind West Virginia. Um, Oklahoma, however, um, this is um, their third time losing to Texas in six seasons. Um and their defense, this is the first time in which the Longhorns were ranked. And their defense, and not defense, <laughs> um, is the first time in which the Longhorns were ranked. So the past times that they have lost to um, Texas, Texas has not been ranked. So I guess that gives um, 
Oklahoma a little bit more, I say, but really they shouldn't have lost this game, in my opinion. Um, but they did. Um, so they dropped to third in the Big 12. And so for me, my question is, Spencer, how bad does this loss hurt Kyler Murray's Heisman hopes? And is Oklahoma still in the conversation for the Big 12 title? Okay, so to answer the first question, this doesn't hurt Kyler Murray at all. Um, the Heisman, more of an individual award, uh, and I think his performance – even though they lost, uh, still keeps him in the top five, maybe even the top three in that discussion for Heisman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I, the only reason I say that, though, is because you watch him play, and he is very explosive. And it's, he, mm-hmm. I think the, the reason that Oklahoma stayed in this game mm-hmm. was because of Kyler Murray's legs. Yeah. And we saw that a lot. And, mm-hmm. yes, he was making the right mm-hmm. throws, but if he wasn't running mm-hmm. the ball the way he was mm-hmm. running, mm-hmm. no way Oklahoma would have been in this mm-hmm. game. And for Oklahoma in the playoff conversation, this is when it gets messy now because mm-hmm. they have a loss. West Virginia is still undefeated. They have Texas above them with that, um, with that matchup win. So they've got the tiebreaker in that in that sense, but I, I think Oklahoma they've got a lot ahead of them. Mm-hmm. They need to win out. That's their one thing. They yeah. need to win the remainder of their games. I agree. Which they could. They have a very good shot at that. Um, if they drop one, obviously they're out of the discussion. Um, once you get to two mm-hmm. losses, you're yeah. almost oh, yeah. automatically out. Mm-hmm. Um, the only team up that was two losses that was still in a discussion was all, Auburn last year. Mm-hmm. But I think we can agree that Oklahoma was not is not it's the team. It's a very different scenario. They're on the same scenario <laughs> as Auburn was. But um, for a Big 12 title and for a playoff spot, Oklahoma has a interesting road ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So be careful uh, mm-hmm. if you're Oklahoma. Yeah. Tread lightly. Um, mm-hmm. However, this plays into my why I, I was okay with the Stoops hiring at the same time as I was disgruntled. Texas just couldn't – they weren't going off the field. Mm-hmm. Every single drive – they scored, I think, in every single drive except for three drives mm-hmm. in that game. Yeah. How, how do you have a game like that where you're supposed to go out there and be the favorite, but you can't get off the field defensively? Mm-hmm. That hurts you as a, as a program, especially, especially when um, not only did, did Texas score every single time – Every single team that they've played, this was an interesting stat from the game, every single team that they've played, they have given up 100% of the time in the red zone. Every single time an opposing team has scored every single time in the red zone against Oklahoma's defense. Mm -hmm. That is a major problem. That is last in the nation. And with a program as, as, as noticeable as Oklahoma, you should not be at the bottom of any category, nowhere near the bottom. So I think that that's what hurt them, and that's what hurts the Mm -hmm. team more than it hurts Kyler Mm -hmm. Murray. Kyler Murray is fine. I think he is, too. He's totally fine, but uh, Oklahoma Mm -hmm. is definitely Mm -hmm. on the outside looking Mm -hmm. in. Yeah, and for me, if the Penn State loss doesn't hurt Trace McSorley, I don't think this loss should hurt Kyler Murray. No. I just don't think it works like that. Um, However, I mean, if Kyler Murray did not have a good game, you're right, it would hurt, but yeah. he did. Just And, like, his legs are what kept him in. And so um, we're going to move on um, to the SEC chaos um, yeah. of this past week. We are going to mention a little bit about Kentucky, uh, Texas A&M, but we do want to highlight Mississippi State and Auburn and Florida versus LSU. These games were not expected. No. At all. No, not whatsoever. Uh, um, those games. 
surprised me. And honestly, this week, this past weekend, the SEC looked like the Pac-12. They did. And it was something that I think definitely shocked me because watching watching the scores pop up mm-hmm. on the on the phone um, or even on my watch like during the game I was getting constant alerts of you know Mississippi State mm-hmm. on the verge of beating Auburn uh, Florida mm-hmm. it looks like they're gonna beat LSU mm-hmm. and it, like every single time I was like what is going on yeah <laughs> but I think it just mm-hmm. this just shows you yeah. the, the chaos that, mm-hmm. that is college football yeah it it is, and we're gonna start out with Mississippi State and Auburn. Mississippi State beat the Tigers twenty three to nine. My MVP for this game was Nick Fitzgerald, a big whopping six five, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's huge, and he um, got hurt last year, and so we were thinking, you know, what what's gonna happen? But he ran for one hundred and ninety five yards with two touchdowns, and he had a career high two. I about said 280 carries, but 28 (laughs) carries, which is incredible on the ground. Um, But he did have um, passing yards of 69 yards, but one interception. But his rushing and the way he was moving his legs was just incredible during this game. Um, He is now the SEC career leader for rushing yards as a quarterback. And he passed Tim Tebow um, from Florida, which is incredible. I don't know why I said from Florida because everybody knows who Tim Tebow is. But that's incredible for Nick Fitzgerald. Um, this was a two-man show with Fitzgerald and Kylan Hill. Hill had three, 136 yards on 23 carries. So this was definitely a running type of game. It stood out for Mississippi State. Um for Auburn, um, the offense never got going. Sidham looked uncomfortable the entire game, and they had so many mistakes. And because of that, Auburn went from eight in the AP Top 25 to 21. That is a huge drop. And so um, I'm not sure what this looks like for Auburn, but it's not looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. um, for Mississippi State, like I said, the running game stood out. Um, but they get a week off this week before they go into Baton Rouge versus LSU um, in two weeks. Um, they are back in the top 25 at number 24. Um, so, Spencer, what does this mean for the Bulldogs? Do they still have a chance to compete for the SEC West with games like LSU and Alabama? If so, what is it going to take? So they're in the SEC West, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, SEC West. No. They have no chance. Here's why I say they have no chance. It's it's unfortunate because I really wanted to see Mississippi State contend with Alabama. But Alabama's on a different level. And I think we've talked about this so much, but yet it needs more explaining. Yeah. Because they are I told you like we, we were into we were talking about this one time and I was like, you know, there's a tier there's always tiers of, of programs and Tier one is is the is like the Oklahomas, the Ohio States, the Georgias. Now, Alabama's on tier one, triple A. Like <laughs> yeah. they are, they are like when when you get to the peak of the mountain, they're like yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to go up three more flights. It's like that. And with teams like LSU and Alabama in your way, coming at the bottom half of the season. Mm-hmm. There is no way that you will be able to compete in the West for a title, let alone compete for a number two spot in that in that conference um i think alabama still controls it yeah. now lsu i think mm-hmm. lsu is the team that definitely mm-hmm. um has the tools necessary mm-hmm. to compete against alabama mm-hmm. however it's not mississippi state mm-hmm. um and what it, what could it take so let's just let's give the <laughs> hypothetical now what it could it take you need perfection you yeah. need nick fitzgerald 
to be a Tua-esque quarterback for you, and that's impossible. Yeah. So at that point, there's a there's a lot going against you if you're Mississippi State. However, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of upsets happen. It's not crazy. It's not mm-hmm. out of this world mm-hmm. possibility. But they, mm-hmm. to me, it's like how Oregon has a 0.0% mm-hmm. chance to make the playoff. Yeah. Mississippi State, to me, has a 0.0% chance to make the SEC West title game. Mm-hmm. I, I completely at least be agree. The, it be, be the West mm-hmm. leader mm-hmm. to go into the title game. Mm-hmm. And I only ask this question because you know these Mississippi State fans are going to be coming out hot, saying we beat Auburn and all this kind of stuff, kind of like Auburn did last year. Um, we're not even going to go there, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, I just I just felt like that was something that needed to be asked and it needed to be answered um, by both of us because if you are a Mississippi State fan, great. You beat Auburn. Congratulations. But you still don't have a chance <laughs> to compete for the SEC West title game. This is not the SEC East. And I only mention that because I know there will be Mississippi State fans coming yep. in hot. Um, yeah. And the last game we're going to talk about before we move into um, this week's games is Florida versus LSU. Florida um, beat the Tigers 27-19. to 19. Um, Lucas Kroll, 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 I don't exactly know how to pronounce it because he is a rarely used tight end. He is my MVP, and let me tell you why. He is a former Arkansas pitcher. But he um, is 6'6". He's huge. He had a trick play to Felipe Felipe Franks for the game-winning 27-19 victory over the Tigers, which is huge. But um, a fun little fact that that ESPN mentioned was that um, Lucas Krull idolizes Tim Tebow. And so um, before the game, he asked him um, if he could take a picture with him. Um, and then after the game, he said, yeah, of course, great throw, great team win. And Kroll said it was awesome getting to talk to him. And I wanted to mention this. Um, <laughs> um, I wanted to mention this because this is what it's all about, honestly. Mm-hmm. And this guy grew up idolizing Tim Tebow and getting to talk to him after the game, playing for the same school that Tim Tebow got to. It's just it's what it's all about for me. You go up idolizing these people. You get up looking up to these people as role models and getting to see them and them getting to see you play and congratulating you for the team win. I just feel like this is what it's all about. Yeah, this is definitely what it's all about. Um, what I love to see is a – one of those guys that you never see on the field, you don't really, you don't really mm-hmm. break down film and and make him a priority to watch out for on the field, and yet he makes the most impressive play. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think for my MVP would be is the entire defensive yes. front, actually the secondary of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did they keep Gerald Burrow around fifty percent completion, which I said was a key to victory, by the yeah. way. They also limited him to zero touchdowns and two interceptions. That was huge. He got sacked five times. Exactly. So that's what happens. And I think that that's something that Georgia looks at this week um, as we talk about this that, that upcoming game. Something that Georgia takes into account mm-hmm. is their secondary focus primarily on the pass game mm-hmm. because that is something that LSU is focusing on mm-hmm. heavily this season. Mm-hmm. And a key player on defense was Vashon uh, Joseph, the linebacker for Florida. He had 14 tackles and two sacks. And defense was definitely key for this game for Florida. Um so, Spencer, is LSU still in this thing, and is UF now in competition for the East? You, LSU is definitely in this. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they are 
With a win against Georgia, they are going to solidify themselves in a serious conversation for the West. I don't know if it's a serious conversation for the playoff yet, but if they beat Georgia, definitely a a West. You got a West matchup of LSU, Alabama potentially. So that could be something interesting to look at. Florida in the East. Um, I still think that Georgia's just that mm-hmm. that good. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that the S- the SEC East is just not good enough yeah. to compete I with agree. the Georgia. I so agree. I think Florida they are they are relevant. They are back in a in a discussion of relevance, mm-hmm. but they're not. It's almost mm-hmm. like a Texas thing. Like is Texas back? I think Texas is relevant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with. Um, gosh, who said it? It was on. It's on the uh, who's in from ESPN. Um, but one of their one of their reporters said that, you know, when they what reminds them of Texas being back is winning Big Twelve titles, being dominant. Yeah. That's how I see someone being back. Mm-hmm. I think that Texas is relevant. Florida yeah. is relevant. But until Florida makes that jump to compete with Georgia mm-hmm. and to get a title under their mm-hmm. belt, I don't want to say mm-hmm. that they're back. Yeah, I completely agree. And I feel like this week with. All of these SEC upsets, you have the whole conference really crumbling down around you. And then there's Alabama and Georgia still Mm -hmm. just living life, you know. And I feel like that's how it's going to be. Like you said, possibly the Alabama-LSU matchup. But other than that, I see Alabama and Georgia um, in the SEC championship game. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be chaos, especially in the SEC now. Who would have thought that we were going to say that? Yeah. So Gotta now we're love gonna, college football. Oh, yeah. So now we move into a discussion. Since we are now halfway through, it is officially time to give legitimate conversation to mm-hmm. the college football playoff. Yes. So now we're going to go into what if, if the college football mm-hmm. season ended today, what our top four would be. So, Lana, you go ahead and go first. Who is your top four if the college football season ended right now? The college football season ended right now, I would have Alabama at one. Georgia at two, Ohio State at three, Clemson at four, if it ended right now. Yeah. Mine is kind of interesting. Um, I had it set, and then last minute I decided to make a tie for fourth because there's a lot of conversation with that. So one, obviously, is Alabama. Um, Two, I have Ohio State. I think Ohio State is looking very good, better than a Clemson team right now that struggled heavily. Um, and better than a Georgia team. And I say better than a Georgia team because Georgia has yet to get a marquee win mm-hmm. and look strong. Mm-hmm. I think the games against like Missouri and, and other mm-hmm. teams like that, they did not mm-hmm. look as mm-hmm. like as strong. They didn't look as mm-hmm. dominant as mm-hmm. I expected this Georgia team to yeah. look. So we've got Ohio State at two. Their defense, major concern for me, though, um, going into the later weeks. Clemson at three. I think mm-hmm. that Clemson, while they still struggled, mm-hmm. they are still a very dominant team. Mm-hmm. With Travis Etienne, or Etienne, Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence, um, this offense is going to take them the distance. And they have, according to ESPN, they have the easiest road ahead of mm-hmm. them. So I think with those two things in line and with whoever you – who honestly, whoever you play in the yeah, ACC, you're yeah. going to beat. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a clear path to they the do. top four. They do. And then my tie for fourth is Notre Dame and Georgia. And I have Georgia still in there because Georgia is still a very good team. Mm-hmm. And depending on if they, let's say they, they run the table, win the East, play Alabama, and play them well. 
Mm-hmm. At that point, and if Notre Dame ends up doing the same, wins out. However, they don't have an they don't have a championship in the independent conference, but they would beat a USC team at the end of the year, which would be very good on their resume. If if Notre Dame ended up winning out, mm-hmm. Georgia ended up winning out, but losing to Alabama, I think you have a serious discussion over: mm-hmm. Do you put in an undefeated um, independent mm-hmm. team that has no cha- yeah. the conference title, or do you put in a one loss? SEC team that fought tooth and nail with mm-hmm. Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I have them tied for fourth right now is because those two, mm-hmm. I think you would have mm-hmm. serious debate yeah. in the in the playoff mm-hmm. committee room. Towards the end of the season, I do have for my top four Georgia out of the top four. But as of right now, they're still in, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. they haven't really proven a reason to not be mm-hmm. right now. But towards the end, um, I feel like the final four for me will be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. And I like how you mentioned with Ala- – I feel like with Alabama and Georgia, they're both dominant programs. They're both undefeated right now. And neither one have played really key games or key matchups that, mm-hmm. like, you would really catch your eye. Like, oh, that was a good quality win. Yeah. But – Alabama is dominating those teams, and Georgia isn't. Yeah, that's and what that's separates what those two. Se- yes. Yeah, that's what separates those two teams. Is that Alabama is is dominating without Tua playing in the fourth quarter, yeah. without having your big guys in the fourth quarter, and now mm-hmm. you've seen Georgia go to the wire, sort of, so mm-hmm. to speak. I mean, yes, they're yeah. still winning by 30, 40 points, but. They're still not there yet. And the reason I have Notre Dame in there mm-hmm. is because they have three mm-hmm. ranked wins, mm-hmm. three quality wins. Yep. So the committee would see as a quality win against Michigan week mm-hmm. one. Uh, they played them under the mm-hmm. lights, playing number seven, Stanford, Stanford at the time, and then beating Virginia Destroyed Tech the next Stanford. week. Yeah. I, and then yeah. and then obviously t- took control against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And I think I, the reason I have them at four also is because this is a completely different team now with it Ian is. Book. It is. Ian Book, Dexter Williams, those guys are running the table mm-hmm. and making themselves a serious discussion for the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. So now we move into what I like to coin playoff implication week. We have four games this week that are no doubt going to set the tone for the playoff. And they're going to solidify teams and also throw teams out of the discussion. So the first game we're going to look at is obviously probably one of the biggest games in the SEC, Georgia LSU. Mm-hmm. LSU coming off a heartbreaking loss to Florida last week, not looking good at all on both sides of the ball. And Georgia coming off a nice win, um, but yet again not looking very dominant. So with a win, Georgia definitely keeps their chances of, of the college football playoff hope alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, would at that point, I feel like they would still remain a top four contender for me uh, going into next week. LSU, however, looking to play the upset card, mm-hmm. but also looking to control their own destiny. Mm-hmm. I think with a win, this definitely puts them in the driver's seat yeah. for a playoff spot and for a contending spot um, in the West with Alabama. And the good part is the key to victory for for LSU, a major key to victory, is that they have home field advantage this week. Yes. Um, Death Valley is not fun. Exactly. Death Valley is one of the hardest places to play. And, in fact, in this all-time matchup, LSU 7-3-1 against Georgia. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird, but their last time they played was in 2008 in Baton Rouge. 
and they were definitely controlled. Georgia won 52-38 to that year. Um, but for LSU, expect to see Justin Fields this game. Yes. Every single game that Georgia has played, uh, Justin Fields has been in there. He has made more of a contribution on the on the rushing side of the offense rather than the passing. He's not necessarily a huge passing threat yet, but that's because he hasn't really had that many opportunities mm-hmm. to throw the ball. Yeah. He has an incredible arm, and it's very important to watch that. But he is more of a running threat, in my opinion, if you're if you're Ed Ogeron, than he is a passing threat. Mm. And keep this offense off the field. Georgia is third in offensive efficiency, according to ESPN. Jake Fromm has 1,200 yards on the dot this year, 12 TDs, two touchdowns, and Elijah Holyfield. This man is huge, by the way. Let me tell you, pictures do not do him justice. <laughs> he is leading the team right now in rushing yards at 432 yards. He is leading DeAndre Swift. Hey, it just shows it shows you how much Georgia relies, how much Georgia relies on their rushing game. Yeah, and also how much trust they have in Jake Fromm. Yeah, so get this Georgia team off the field. Their defense Mm -hmm. is very good as well, but their offense will put up points on you immediately if you do not get them off the field. For Georgia, key to victory, eliminate the deep balls. We saw last week against Florida, Joe Burrow was a deep throw, deep ball machine. Mm-hmm. And especially towards the end when they were starting to make a run to tie the game up, the deep balls were what kept the LSU yeah. in that game. 192 yards in the air for Joe Burrow. Keep him out of there. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said in this in, in discussion before, uh, leading up to this um, breakdown, the secondary needs to focus on eliminating the pass because LSU has made it a priority this year that they are going to throw the ball and they're going to beat you in the air. They're not going to beat you on the ground. They're mm-hmm. going to beat you through the air. Five LSU receivers last week finished with over 10 yards per catch. If that happens this week, Georgia loses this ball game. I agree. Florida, that was a, I believe that honestly that was a fluke game because most times or not you're going to see five receivers, 10 plus, 10 plus a catch, you're seeing an absolute domination. Mm-hmm. But it was because of the secondary second-half performance and because of the front four for Florida that you saw uh, Florida escape with that win. And it was at home. Also mix up the pressure. You've got to make sure that Joe Burrow's confused. He is a very skilled and he is a very seasoned quarterback. Mm-hmm. While he was a second string for most of his career at Ohio State, he's still very seasoned. Yeah. He understands how to deal with pressure. So make sure to mix it up. Come in with some with some safety blitzes. Disguise mm-hmm. a lot of blitzes. A lot of QB spies help out as well. Yes, he's not a rushing threat, but he can he can be sneakily fast. Um, in this game, though, however, oh man, this one's a tough one to pick. Um, while I like Georgia, I love what they're doing. I think that. Baton Rouge is very hard mm-hmm. to play in, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm going to give LSU the edge, mm-hmm. especially after that loss against Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. I give LSU the edge as well. I don't know. I just feel like there's so much chaos going on in the SEC right now, and um, LSU has something to prove, and it's almost as if Georgia is just going through the motions. They just keep playing game mm-hmm. after game after game. I know Kirby Smart, he definitely isn't preparing his team like that. However, like you said, Baton Rouge is a 
tough place to play, one of the toughest in in the league. And so um, I definitely see LSU coming out with a win Mm -hmm. this this weekend. And also with um, LSU's um, loss this past weekend – I feel like that hurts Georgia in some way. If they, especially like even with a win, um, if I think they're gonna have to win them by a big margin. Um, when it comes down to it, towards the end of the season, with the playoff hopes, as well. Just with um, LSU losing, you have to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. Um, but I do have LSU winning as well. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think with at the end of the season, when the committee looks at their resume, I think if they lose to LSU. That hurts them tremendously. Oh, it does. Um, yes. But if they win, mm-hmm. um, and they win convincingly, it, it depends. There's a lot of convincingly a lot of is the key word right there. Well, because like. here's what happens. I think that if LSU ends up saving and uh, maintaining their season after the Georgia loss, um, I think that beating them by by a smaller margin. Is going to be worse than if LSU falls off the face of the earth the rest of the year, <laughs> because if you if they end up winning the rest of the way and you barely beat them at home, mm-hmm. yes, it's a quality win. But how good of a quality win is it mm-hmm. when you narrowly escape and when you look back at the film? Mm-hmm. Because I think the film mm-hmm. speaks more volumes mm-hmm. than the stats do. Yeah, and you're gonna look at also as well because Georgia and Bama both play LSU, so you're in Baton Rouge. So you're going to see, okay, how did Georgia play against LSU and how did Alabama play against LSU? And if they both win, who got the more quality win? Yeah. So you're going to look at that too. So Georgia's going to have to go into this game and win convincingly, especially when it gets towards the end of the season and they're looking um, for playoff contenders and if they win out. Well, speaking of needing to win convincingly, this team needs to win convincingly more than any team in the nation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Washington going into uh, a battle with Oregon. This is the Pac-12's hopes and dreams right here on the line. Oh, yeah. Um, we say it every – well, last year we said it too. Washington is Pac-12's only hope. I think so. Um, but Oregon is, is creeping back into the conversation of being relevant um, and being dominant in the Pac-12. That's but, right. however, Washington is the only hope. Mm-hmm. And I think that if Washington loses this game, you will not see the Pac-12 at all. Nope. So, for Washington, the key to victory is keeping Oregon off the field. It's mm-hmm. the same thing mm-hmm. as LSU with Georgia. Justin Herbert is an incredibly great quarterback, and this guy can run. <laughs> this guy is tall, lanky, and he is fast. <laughs> Almost 1,400 yards passing, 15 touchdowns. Um, They are a pass-first team as well because they're – I would say because their offense rushing does not look as solid as the pass game right now. For Oregon, you just need to come out and and be dominant. I think that that's the only thing you need to do is assert yourself. Take that underdog role, that mentality, and run with it because if you don't, Washington's going to come in, and they're going to swamp you. Because Washington is a very good team. Jake Browning, a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. And guess who they have right behind him? Transfer from Georgia, Jacob Eason. So they've got another guy who's a transfer, who has who is a seasoned quarterback, understands how to deal with pressure, and will not stop. And I think that that's very important for Oregon to uh, understand going into this game. 
I've got Washington winning this game because I think that Washington, while they still have a lot riding on this game, they are the the most successful team. I think that they're the most dominant team in this matchup. I give Washington a very slight edge, though. I think that Oregon, like the Stanford game, runs the table with it and makes it more of a game. Mm -hmm. So we move now into we're going to move out from the SEC in the big in the uh, Pac-12. We're going to move into the Midwest and specifically into the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Michigan. College game day matchup. A top 15 matchup as well. Under the lights, 730 on ABC. This game is important for Michigan, uh, I think more honestly than Wisconsin, because Michigan right now is trying to bring themselves back in the conversation of, hey, 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 we're over here. We're, we're still relevant. We are 5-1. and one. You know, we're undefeated in our conference. Yeah. We're tied. And Shea Patterson is our quarterback. Don't forget that. Oh, they won't let you forget. No, they will not. But Wisconsin is still a very dominant team. They are honestly one of the only teams that I see still run a pro-style offense and honestly dominate. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the likes of Alex Hornibrook and AJ, and A.J. Taylor and Jonathan Taylor, um, this Wisconsin offense, while they are an underdog somehow, are still a very explosive offense. And I think, They're honestly, huge more... huge underdog, according to ESPN. According to ESPN, 26%, 26% chance yeah. to win. I don't agree with that at all. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I don't. And I think that... I'm not saying they'll win, but come on, 26%. I think it attributes to the fact that Michigan is looking more highlight-esque mm. than, than Wisconsin is. And Jonathan Taylor's because having a... Because of Shea Patterson. It's not because that. of Shea Patterson. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, and Wisconsin, <laughs> I think Jonathan Taylor has had a lackluster year, not as not as explosive as we were expecting. Um, definitely no in no regards a sophomore slump um, because he has 849 yards on the ground. But definitely a more um, upsetting year for the... Badger tailback, but I see this game being a Wisconsin win. I do. I do not see Michigan winning this game because I think that um, Wisconsin is is better. Honestly, I think they're better, and I think that Wisconsin will come into this game with a with a major chip on their shoulder um, and make a make this game a statement win mm-hmm. and keep them atop the Big Twelve, we, uh, the Big Ten West um, for the. For the long haul, for the near future, Michigan. If they win this game, then their next biggest tough, their next biggest game is against the Buckeyes. I honestly think that that's it. Um, mm-hmm. Now they may again be upset by the Spartans, but when you look at the total yards, um, Wisconsin leads them 60, uh, 60 more yards and yards allowed. Uh, however, is in favor of the of the Wolverines. Um, Wolverines have a better. I think Wolverines have. A better defense, mm-hmm. while Wisconsin has a better offense. It'll so be it, it will game. be the matchup of, of both halves. Uh, we will see how well both teams square off. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's it's a very big game. It's a big game, like being talked about around the country right now. Um, especially like I feel like Shea Patterson. Nobody stops talking about him, and I really don't get it. I don't get the hype. I, I really don't. He's a great quarterback, but with the hype that he's getting, I just don't understand it. Um, anyways, but um, um, I gave this game kind of to Spencer. He's more of a Big Ten person than I am. However, I have the Wisconsin Badgers winning this one. 
over Michigan. Yeah, I think that Shea Patterson gets a lot of hype because he did come from an SEC team. But it was Ole Miss. I understand it was Ole Miss, but (laughs) he comes from an SEC program. Um, It's a better quarterback than what they had last year. I agree. I do agree with that one. It's a better quarterback situation they had last year, Um, and he's throwing the ball. I think Mm -hmm. that – uh, ten touchdowns, three interceptions. While that doesn't look impressive to the rest of the nation, it's impressive to Michigan fans. It is. And that's all that matters. Right? I think that that's important. You know, I think that as a fan base, um, mm-hmm. you want to see improvement come from specifically the quarterback position. So mm-hmm. to get a guy like Shea Patterson, who's a known name around the nation, to get him to transfer over and mm-hmm. to make a make a solid impact, solid contribution to your team is something that you should hang your hat on. However, he is not the um, the saint or the savior that many Wolverine fans believe he is. Now, there are, there are a lot of people coming off the ledge and believing that he's not all this in a bag of chips, but um, he, him and this Michigan program, I still think are overrated in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll leave that discussion for a later date. We're going to move on from this discussion. We're going to go you into... You did pretty well. I did as best you I could. You did pretty... I'm proud of you. I did as best I could with what I was given. <laughs> So we are actually covering every single Power Five, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. We're going to move into the Big 12 now. Actually, we're not. We're covering four of the five ACC was left out of this one. Are um, we surprised? Four reasons, yes. <laughs> the Big 12, this is the biggest game for the Big 12. Um, it seems like we're co- sort of covering the biggest games for each conference, minus the ACC. Um, <laughs> but number six, West Virginia, mm-hmm. undefeated. Leading the Big 12, going into a hostile environment. Or are they on the road? Can we check and see if they are on the road this week? I'm looking it up now. But uh, they're playing a tough team, tough matchup in Iowa State. Um, Iowa State wreaked havoc last year they in did. the Big 12. They, they we gave, talked about it They a gave lot. college football a mini heart attack mm-hmm. for about a week. And then after a week, everything sort of they went back to went normal. Down, hey. Everything went back to normal. Iowa State stayed in their own lane. <laughs> Add DJ yeah. Khaled for that. Um, <laughs> they stayed in their own lane. They, they did what they needed to do. They scared everyone. They were like, okay, we got it. Um, this year, though, not the same Iowa State program that we're looking at. Um, they will. West Virginia is going on the road. We can confirm that now. Going on the road to Iowa State. And according to ESPN, not really making that much of huge, yeah. not huge of a deal. But Iowa State has more of a chance to beat West Virginia than um, <laughs> Michigan does. Um, not was it Michigan? No, Wisconsin does Michigan. So I guess that's good. That's kind of crazy <laughs> how a middle of the pack, below average Big Twelve team that's has a better percentage crazy. than a top tier. Uh, Big Ten West team. I just don't get it. But Will Greer, I think we can honestly say, is taking the Wolverine, the Mountaineers to another level. Um, He is on some type of campaign for the Heisman. He is. He's one of the best quarterbacks in college football right now. Yeah. If not the best. Yeah. Many could argue that. Yeah. I think it's important for West Virginia to make this a statement game because if they do not make this a statement game, they keep themselves, they, they, separate themselves in a negative direction from the playoff that much more mm-hmm. if they do not come out mm-hmm. and assert their dominance for four quarters. Mm-hmm. I think if Iowa State is still in this game by the third quarter, I do not see West Virginia getting into the playoff. Nope. 
And that's a hot take for this week. Um, that's free. That's free, by the way. You do not have to pay Sorry for that. Sorry to all the Mountaineer fans out there. It's it's unfortunate, but I think it's true. It's because just, if you yeah. don't come out and beat an Iowa State team, what, what, what other teams do West Virginia have remaining on their schedule, though? I think that that's important because this game um, sets the table for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. um, depending on who their next opponents are, um, definitely makes it more interesting. I think that whoever they play later on in the year, and especially who they play in the Big 12 title game, makes a contribution, makes a difference um, for the rest, for their for their storyline. Mm-hmm. For their uh, okay, they so they Texas they do have a very rough road ahead of them, um, and I don't think that you'll see West Virginia at the end of the year being undefeated with and games. If they are, if they if they are, they deserve a top. <laughs> three spot. I think <laughs> if do. they if they go in and they play on the road at Texas, beat Texas, then the next week play against TCU, then the next week play at Oklahoma State, and then the next week play Oklahoma and win those games. They deserve a top four spot. I honestly here's another hot take that's coming in free. <laughs> if West Virginia runs the table and wins out and wins the Big Twelve, I think they have a legitimate discussion for being a number one team. Yikes. I think they have a legitimate discussion for being a number one team. Yikes. Because you have teams like Texas. I, mean, I see it, yeah. Texas up and coming, and they have asserted themselves that they are relevant again. TCU, while they've fallen flat this year, have been consistently dominant each year. Oklahoma mm-hmm. State always fighting for a But West top Virginia spot. does. Um, but Auburn didn't? What do you mean? Well, last year, like with Auburn beating both Georgia and Alabama. I think it's because they had two losses going into when they were going to the playoffs. West Virginia right now undefeated. And I think if they win the rest of the season, obviously they play Baylor next week. So Mm -hmm. if they win Iowa State, they're Mm -hmm. 7-0. But if you win the next four games of the season and you win against potentially, from what it looks like, Texas in the Big 12 title game, you beat them again. I don't know how you don't have a discussion at least for a number one spot mm-hmm. because that schedule's rough. Yeah. That schedule's one of the hardest schedules in college football. And it all depends on, well, of course, if they went out, but on the top four right now as well. Yeah. Is what happens. So I'm going to leave. The hot takes are there. We're going to leave that. We're just going to leave them there. We're going to leave them there to Let sort of stir. They're going to stir. And who knows? West Virginia could surprise me in a positive and a negative way this year. Um, needless to say, I have a lot riding on on the Mountaineers at this point. <laughs> yeah, you do. So we're going to move into, we have questions this week uh, from the viewership. We have one, but we still have more than last week. So I think that that's, <laughs> that's something that we can hang our hats on for this week. We have a question from Instagram um, from Veerd Seth. 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 How do you say that? I at don't the know, end? but his name is Seth. Okay, Hello, his Seth. name is Seth. Shout out to Seth, great guy. Um, also has a podcast, an NFL mm-hmm. podcast. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, we will leave the name of the podcast in the description mm-hmm. of this next episode. Yep. Um, but his question, and I'm I'm going to leave this to Lana. Could Texas make the college football playoff if they win out? No. So what's your okay? So what's your <laughs> argument for no? I no. want to hear no. I want to hear why no. I just- I don't think so, just because, especially, like, okay, if they beat West Virginia. Let's, let's, let's pull up Texas schedule right now, so okay. you have a reference okay. for your reason of just flat I out just, no. Flat out that was, no. That was, like um, a, that was like a Kendrick Lamar, I do need, like, I, 
like a, his his no. album. That's just a flat out all okay. caps. Period. Their no. biggest game is West Virginia. Well, if you look at that, they have Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Okay. Great. Okay, but I feel like they have to rely, like, if the other top four teams do what they're doing, yet Texas still, he, they're going to have to rely on other teams Yeah. to get in. I agree. So, um, I, agree. I feel like they went out, they could, but yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Just because top four, I feel like you're going to stay where they're at, opposed to, like, Georgia. I think I think Georgia may lose this way, like I Said they'll probably lose to LSU, I think. Um, but I I just I don't think so. I'm going to flirt with the topic of yes. Okay. And I'm going to flirt with it because Texas, right now, their strength of record is, a, is ninth in the nation. Um, they are actually ninth in the nation right now, which is coincidental. The strength of their schedule remaining is top 20. They have three quality wins, USC, TCU, and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They're favored in the next four of their last six games. They're only not they're the only games they're not favored in Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, like I mentioned. Um, but if you go in there and you win out, all right, and, and chaos happens, it's bound to happen. We have it's four bound weeks. to happen. We have five weeks left. It is bound to happen. But I don't see if, it. If man. chaos happens, if chaos happens, if though. But okay, this is a definite if though because chaos will happen. Mm-hmm. It, when chaos, well, I'll say when when chaos happens and when. But what chaos is it? Chaos. Georgia losing. Okay. Georgia may be losing one or two games towards the end of the year. Um, Clemson losing a game. Get teams like then West if Virginia. Texas wins out, I say yes. Put them in. If they win out and other teams ahead of them lose. I think it'll that have to be more than be one discussion. though in the top five. I feel like. Well, yeah, it needs to. Well, from where they're at right now, and this will be. I think this would be a an easier question to answer when the playoff committee comes out with their mm-hmm. rankings. That's a very broad. I it's a broad like question, question, but I think you have a question for that for almost every team that's in the top ten. Yeah. And I think with Texas, they're relevant again, and they're making they're they're stapling mm-hmm. themselves into a conversation that they, they're in the conversation. They're sta- they're putting themselves in a conversation they didn't belong mm-hmm. in the in mm-hmm. the regular mm-hmm. going into the game against Maryland. Mm-hmm. They didn't belong in that mm-hmm. conversation. Now they're making themselves relevant mm-hmm. in that conversation. But if you want my two cents, I don't think they will be in the college football playoff. I will take your two cents and I will put that in the bank for Texas in the playoff. <laughs> If it happens, Spencer. if it hap- if it happens, because Gosh. I I love to flirt with that of a, of a yes. You, everything you. Mm, so anyways. we're going we're going away from questions now. Thank you to Seth for putting in a question. Yes. And those of you who want to have a question or maybe think that your question isn't good you enough for us. You want to put our, in your two cents. Listen, if you want to put your two cents in, and you, maybe you don't think your question is good enough. Guess what? We're an up-and-coming show, so we'll I mean, answer whatever. I mean, what what we say doesn't mean crap, so... We're not, really we're not ESPN senior writers. We um, are not Kirk Street. We are not... We're not Heather Dinich. Okay. We're not Joey Galloway. We're not any of these guys. But, if honestly, if you have a question, send it in to us in our DMs, in our Instagram, and our Twitter. We, we love interaction when we have this type of talk because then... Especially for people who are on campus, we can meet with mm-hmm. you, have that discussion, yeah. and then that builds You're something at that's Liberty, fun. Let us know. Exactly. Like, we can meet up and talk about it. Because honestly, when it comes to all this chaos in college football, we're all going to be wrong anyway. Exactly. So that's the best it's just a great thing. Uh, this is what I love about being a podcaster, being someone who wants to go into that field of, of college football. Mm-hmm. We're like weathermen, okay? 
okay? <laughs> we think one thing, we predict one thing, and then the next day it could happen where something's completely different. Yeah, and it's and okay. And we still get paid. <laughs> so that's the best part. Well, let's just say we're not getting paid for this. But one day, hopefully, we could get that, paid. That could happen. So we're going to move into Did You Know, which includes Lana's fun fact of the day and my and Spencer statistic. Y'all know I love my fun fact. And this is kind of a statistic, too, if you think about it. Okay. It is, actually. It's kind of a weird so one, but it's so the you're only transitioning one. transitioning into, into my segment now. Awesome. <laughs> it's the only one I could find, guys. Literally the only one I could find. Okay, Michigan is leading Wisconsin in every statistic except bowl record. Wisconsin is 35, 35, 35th in the nation, and Michigan is 57th. Hmm. That's yeah. all I got, folks. So my did <laughs> you know? So did you know that in the Big Ten, Michigan holds the all-time winning percentage against Wisconsin. Wisconsin has winning records against all their Big Ten teams except Michigan. Michigan holds a seventy-seven point three percent winning percentage against Wisconsin. Yikes! And then also, did you know that this rivalry favors the Wolverines forty-nine fourteen and one. Wisconsin. Maybe that's why ESPN has such a big... Exactly. The stats... I guess the stats don't lie, but um, Still, like though. I said, the film is, is more is more yep, relevant yep, than the stats. I agree. So we don't really have any really mans this week. Uh, no. There was nothing that, was, that stood out that anyone did um, stupid or... Really, man. Um, let's think of one involving... I don't know. I don't think there's any. I don't think we have any okay. this week, and that's fine. If we don't have a really man, that's totally fine. That's that's something I guess everyone survived this week. So I'll just let everyone know for the warning. Kind of ironic. Yep, I'll let you know that this next week will not happen. I'm looking out for a really man to have on this on this show next week. You'll see an Alabama fan doing something stupid like putting sixteen hundred dollars on a on a win that was legit. That was. <laughs> Too easy to pick and got a dollar sixty. If two, if, if any fan is going to do it, it's going to be an Alabama. Yep. Fan, so we're also going to now go into our going for two. Um, this segment's a little more fun now because we have. We're obviously <laughs> going to talk about Liberty, but we're Always. also going to have a team that we all we both picked that's winless right now that yeah. needs a win. So <laughs> they need a first win. off, let's talk about Liberty. Um, last week, obviously lost to New Mexico State. It was a heartbreaking. It was loss. a heartbreaking loss. Um, just not enough time for the Flames to come back. We needed that win. It was very important to have that win in discussion we for a bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, however, now moving into the week against Troy, we have them at home this week. Um, Troy is a very good team. Very yes, good team. they are. And Liberty, obviously coming off the loss, has a lot um, to work on. However, I don't think that a, lo- a win is too far gone because it seems like whenever we're – Whenever ESPN predicts us to lose at home, we end up pulling out a victory. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's out of the question. However, I if I was if I was not associated with Liberty, and I was just picking this, I would pick Troy. Uh huh. I agree. And I still pick Troy. I st- I pick the Troy Trojans just because. I mean, for me, they've always been relevant to me, and so to know that my school is playing them, it just makes me think, dang. I just think it's not going to be pretty. Um, I I love Liberty, and I love the football program, and I back them 100%. But this game, I just don't see it happening on any cylinder. Um, 
it's going to take perfection for liberty and also some Troy mistakes. I have a question for you. Okie dokie. If you don't see it on a cylinder, do you see it on a square? <laughs> hey, yo. Okay. Bye, um, Spencer. <laughs> so now we move into our second going for two. And let me tell you, whoever, whichever team out of both of ours, they need to go for two in their next game. Um, I'm going to start with UCLA. Oh, what to say about UCLA? They have Chip become Kelly. they have become a a team that a lot of people want to go to. To all of a sudden, um, a irrelevant team. Um, their next game is against Cal, and Cal is projected to win this game. Uh, UCLA has a thirty as a thirty percent chance to win. Cal um, in their last five games have lost two in a row to Oregon and Arizona. Uh, Oregon, understandable. Arizona um, Arizona's not that great, so uh, maybe it was just a bad game for Cal. But, um, However, obviously, UCLA, their last five games, they've lost all of them. So um, going into this game, I'm going to have to pick Cal. Oh, yeah. like, I want to pick UCLA because I brought them into this discussion, but – I don't see them winning, and I, and I think the only way I see this happening is if the offense just magically has a great game. That's the only way I see this happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's funny how I wanted to put UCLA in there, and I had a lot of confidence in potentially them winning, but I think their only game that they could have won was uh, Cincinnati and Colorado was mm-hmm. pretty much their last game that they could have won. Even Fresno State, and they still lost to Fresno State. Um but yeah, the rest of the schedule does not look good for Arizona no. for UCLA. And um, I, Chip Kelly, it's just poor so, guy. He tried to come back. Just, he tried to come back into the Pac-12 and just couldn't do it. He couldn't, and it's it's so ironic. At least I this year, at it. I think this year it may just be a fluke year. It may just be. It a is fluke a rivalry year. game, though. We will say it that it is. They even have the same logo, almost like the same font. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like they. It, I don't know. Maybe that's like how it's, the, it's a Bruin matchup. It it's is. It's the Cal Bears against the UCLA Bruins. And I am trying to look, get up. Um, it's not my, that hard to fix. I mean, it's it's, it's there. <laughs> I know. I, it's Nebraska yep. and Northwestern. Um, Northwestern coming off of a big win against Michigan State. How that happened, I don't know. It's college football. You know, it happens. But um, – yeah, I just... Against Northwestern. Against Northwestern. Northwestern came off a huge win against Michigan State. So they have a huge advantage yeah. over the Cornhuskers. But I... Like you said, like I just don't see it happening. <laughs> I just... Right. I, don't, I know. Like, I think these two guys, if, honestly... If Northwestern would have gotten beat by Michigan State, I would say yes. Yeah. Nebraska has a chance. But with this win over Michigan State, it... I don't know, man. I just... I don't... They have it. Nebraska has a 16.6% chance to beat Northwestern, and I think that's being nice. Honestly. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Here's the thing. like, I, And it's at Northwestern. so. Yeah. Well, home field advantage just play very well. And I'll tell you what, being a Big Ten guy, Northwestern is a very tough opponent no matter what any, what any week you get them. I wouldn't know that. So. Um, but the, the, the most upsetting thing, is that these two guys 
had such a great opportunity in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. We had Chip Kelly, UCLA, coming back to the yeah. Pac-12. He mm-hmm. understands the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. He knows what to do, and, but he just can't get them. He just I think he's just in a funk right now. Um, and then Nebraska with mm-hmm. with Scott Frost. I think that everyone expected in Nebraska, mm-hmm. honestly, everyone expected to have it be a rebuild. It, it was going to be a couple years before you saw – and even – um, Scott Frost said, you know, like, hey, our year one may not be great, but hey, watch out for us year two. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I would say watch out year three. I think you give them two years from mm-hmm. the Scott Frost. We're just ve- I'm just very, like, upset. I just expected Nebraska to do better. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I didn't expect them to go undefeated, like, immediately, uh-huh. but I expected them to compete with Michigan. To at least sc- have one out of those five Well, games. I expected them to compete with Michigan. They only scored 10 yeah. points. I expected them to compete with Wisconsin. They scored 24. I expected them to beat Colorado. They lost. I expected them to beat Troy. They lost. So this it's just the expectation has not met mm-hmm. the reality. No, it has um, not. So we are going into something, a couple of news stories that just came up. We're going to go to a clip from, who is it, Marcus Spears, yes. uh, talking about why it's disrespectful to name Alabama the greatest uh, team of all time right now. Happy Halloween, Michael. That's not us. Excuse <laughs> me. Play for Nick Saban. So you understand how he works. Yep. And we're watching this Alabama team just run over everybody in college football. They've already been anointed as the champions. When we're talking about historically the best team ever, we gave two of the Heisman already. You're watching all of this happen. How do you feel watching it? I feel like it's disrespectful to the game I cover. Oh! Oh! Tell us why. Cole, Cole. Tell us why, Mr. Spears. Because we're in the sixth week of the season. Like, mm-hmm. just, just timing alone doesn't give you the right to say anything like that. Like, you can be excited about what's happening. I, yeah, I think we all good. are. Every, I mean, the, 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 the glimpse of greatness without a full plate of greatness is always fun, right? Remember when we saw Golden State coming on? And it was like, man. But then when they won the championship, now we can have a discussion about is this the greatest team ever, the greatest dynasty, whatever. Alabama right now looks like a video game, and I get it. Everybody's excited about that. But then I, I got to go into some of my college football mode. Before we start tagging greatest ever, bro, they've given up 54 total points the last two weeks. Mm. The great ones don't do that, and one thing not I know, in football. One thing I know about college football is upsets happen. All the time. Upsets happen. It's not like other sports, professional sports. Like college football, things happen that you do not expect, and it could happen to Alabama. It could, man. Could you see it happening against Georgia? Yeah. I can see it happening. I can see it happening against Georgia. Um, I think LSU plays them tough for a while. I think they eventually take, you know, take the reins. That's your alma mater. Yeah. You're not going to pick your alma mater over Alabama? Coach, I'm, I'm not. Objectivity ain't never been a problem for me. <laughs> if you're good, you're good. Now, I would love for LSU to be in this Bama conversation that we having, but they not right now. Yeah. That ain't where they at. So, with with that, um, that raises a, a very good discussion. Lana, do you agree with Marcus Spears? I do. And as an Alabama fan, it's easy for me to say that they're the greatest team of all time. But like he said, we're in the sixth game of the season. And even as an Alabama fan, and hear me out, we have not played anyone good. 
We haven't. We have dominated everyone that we've played, and that gives us a right to be number one right now. Like he said, we are playing like we are a video game. I have never seen a team this good offensively since 2009 for Alabama. I have not seen it. Or it, we're no, We normally are known for a, as a defensive team. That is not the case this year. Yep. We are an offensive program, and that is not normal. And I'm just – I will call us the greatest team of all time if I see – if we win the national championship. I say we're the greatest team of all time just because of our consistency. But right now, I don't see it. Here's what I, here's when I would call them the greatest team of all time. I agree with your points. They are playing like a video game. Um, they have given up – a lot of points in the mm-hmm. past two weeks, like like With Marcus Arkansas. Spears um, alluded to. However, I think if the rest of the season they dominate every single team, including the SEC title game, including the semifinal game, including the title game, if they dominate every single one of those games, my, I will personally say that they are the greatest team of all time. Because you, you can't ignore the fact that they have – become this offensive juggernaut mm-hmm. that no one expected. We all expected Alabama mm-hmm. to be good on offense. We didn't expect them to be this good. Mm-mm. So I, I've i never wanted mm-hmm. to call a college football team greatest mm-hmm. of all time because, like, mm-hmm. you have too many teams mm-hmm. to have an argument mm-hmm. with. Like, honestly, I think the 2014 Ohio State Buckeyes, yeah. one of the greatest teams of all time yeah. because of the way that they overcame a lot of obstacles. Mm-hmm. It's However, one of those things where it's like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Well, we're going to see if it's the probably yeah, is. Yeah, we'll find out later. Because um, it seems that way. Yeah. It seems like it's too good to be true, but it may be, it may not be. Yep. And that's coming from a Bama fan. So. Well, we're going to stay in the SEC in a discussion. Mm-hmm. Lana, one of our coaches that we expected to be in a running for potentially a Liberty job if it opens up. Um, we're not sure of if it's going to open up, but um, for a conversation of if it actually does open up, Hugh Freeze was an option that we all we yeah. would have loved to see. However, he is now going to be the OC at Arizona. Um, Kevin Sumlin making one of the best hires I think he could have made. Mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze is I a agree. very good offensive Kevin Sumlin is on the edge of his seat. He is on a fine line right now. It's so funny. So funny. <laughs> he gets in there year one, and him and Chip Kelly are already on the hot seat. Yeah. I, I love college football. Did we expect football. anything no. less? <laughs> Well, I didn't expect it. I'll tell you that much. I didn't expect it from Chip Kelly, but Kevin Sumlin. I didn't expect year one coaches to already be on the hot seat asking, having mm. people make signs saying they want their job. If you mm. want his job, go ahead and take it. See how hard take it is. It. Um, with that, we are going to wrap up the show today. Um, this was an interesting twist, but very enjoyable. A lot of hot takes. A lot of hot takes. Spencer More hot takes than you will here. ever see in a week. Probably. Potentially Texas being number one. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I said West Virginia being number one. Don't construe my top. T- don't no, my you hot said t- Texas. Don't construe my hot takes. I said Texas number one. Texas making the playoff if they went out. Okay, yeah, West Virginia number one. Texas making the playoff. I said, and also let me just clarify: discussion for number one. Discussion mm. with that. We'll see. We're going to wrap up the show. Thank you guys for listening. If you're on SoundCloud, make sure to like it, share. Um, also, listen. We would love if you listened. Um, mm-hmm. On Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to like, mm-hmm. subscribe, rate this mm-hmm. video. We'd love to hear the ratings mm-hmm. because we honestly don't know what it's like mm-hmm. right now because we're 0.0 yeah. with zero ratings. Yeah. So give us a comment. Give us a rate. Yeah. Give us a like. Mm-hmm. Share this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate your viewership. Yeah. We love 
the interaction. Um, so thank you guys so much. Also, um, go follow Seth's podcast. We will link it in um, the description. We'll also post it on our Instagram. Also, my good friend Jordan Boshinsky, he's on the Liberty Hockey team. He also just um, released his first podcast. Um, it's a sports podcast. It's called The Bo Show. We will also link that as well. We love supporting other people, especially from Liberty. Both of these guys are from Liberty. So make sure y'all give them a follow, and yeah. uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Yeah, don't be surprised uh, if they come on the show. Yeah. So. Yeah, all right. Until then, see ya. See ya.